So, our desire is that you'll make Downey First Christian Church your church home. You'll make Jesus the Lord of your life. And uh, our church is a church of wide open doors, wide open arms, and we're just glad uh, that you've decided to be with us here uh, this morning. Also, if this church is new to you, uh, I would love to meet you. One of the things that I've talked about in the past is that church is over. I'll be talking to a lot of people, but what we're going to do is I'm going to finish preaching this message. I'm going to go out that door. I'm going to make a left, and there's a guest lounge over there, which is kind of a living room area, and I would love uh, to meet you, and uh, I promise you I won't take too much of your time, probably about 30 seconds, and that's all. I just want to get your name and see if there's anything uh, that we can do for you, and if you brought that person, if that new person is with you, just go ahead and go with them, take them to the guest lounge, and I would love uh, to meet you. I promise you it'll only take like 30 seconds to a minute. Uh, I won't take too much of your time. Sound good? Yes, yes, good, 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 okay. So uh, before we get started here, um, we are starting a brand new sermon series next Sunday, and it's called Rest, and I want to encourage you to be here for the entire, uh, for the entire series. It's going to be, I think, a four or five-week series, and we're going to be talking about rest. Now, how many of you guys need a break? And it is so, like, we're just getting started. Like, like, summer just ended. We're going in back into, you know, the work schedule and all those things. And there's a lot to do. And so I'm going to do the contrast. Like, we're getting ready to just uh, start grinding again. I'm going to do the contrast. And I'm going to talk about the whole idea of rest. The Bible talks about rest. And rest does not mean being lazy. Rest means you can do all the things that you do, but you have rest in your soul. So we're going to talk about that starting uh, next Sunday. I'm very excited about that, and I hope to see you here. But today, I want us to, uh, to go to Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 20. It's a, it's a known verse. We're going to do a couple of verses here, uh, and we're going, to, we're going to talk about something that I, I believe is going to be really helpful to you. And so this is Ephesians 3, 20. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's praying. This is part of a prayer that he does, and he says this. He says, now to him talking about Jesus, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Also, John 10.10 says this. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Okay, so we're going to talk about this here uh, just a little bit, and I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had the feeling like there's just has to be more to life? Like there has to be more. Like, like have you ever felt like you're, you're not living your life to, the, to your full potential? Like you could give more, but for some reason you're not. Um, there's a, I think I've talked about this guy before. He's a, an ex-Navy uh, SEAL, and he, uh, or, or Navy SEAL, and he, uh, he talks about the 40% rule. Have I talked about this before? Okay, I have. So I'll just move on then. I won't mention it. You know, a couple of you guys have heard of this. But 40% rule is this whole idea. He's talking about your body and he's talking about your mind. And so in your body and in your mind, there's this, there's this struggle. Because normally, your mind is much weaker than your body. And so when you're working out, you're doing some sort of an exercise, there's, there's like a physical challenge. There's something that your mind tells you that that's a, it's the in, instinct of, of, um, of uh, survival. And it's telling you like, I, we, I, there's no more to give. Like, like my, body, my body is giving out, and if I keep going, I'm going to die. Okay, so the whole idea is that that's 40%. Like, normally, your mind gives, gives up much quicker than, than your body. But he says, David Goggins says, you've got 60% more to go. Like, you have a lot more to give. 
And it's this whole idea of that your body won't go where your mind can't go. In other words, if you can't see yourself in the eye of your mind as a fit person, then you're not ever going to get there. Like if you could see yourself in your, in your mind as a person who is a, who is a graduate, then you, will, you might be able to get there. But this, this whole idea of if you and your mind can't see yourself reaching your potential, your goals, all the things that you want to achieve in life, if your mind, if you can't visualize it in your mind, then it's very unlikely that you will get there. Now, it's not 100% for sure that if you can picture it that you will get there, but it is for sure that if you can't, you have no chance of getting there. And so it's really interesting because there's this battle that happens in your mind. And uh, I've been talking to you guys about surfing, and I promise this probably be the last Sunday I'll talk about it because I, I, I'm loving it so much that I think about it a lot, and I'm just enjoying it a lot. The reason why I bring that up is because I made the decision to learn how to surf. This was a while back. I think some of you guys remember that I mentioned it as my New Year's resolution. And I never, I never really surfed before. And I shared this with some people. Like, at 47, starting something that would be physically challenged, challenging would be like kind of a strange thing to do. And I, I talked to some people about this, and some people were excited. Some people just didn't believe me. Like, dude, you're never going to do it. Uh, most people didn't care. Uh, my wife was like, she was like, because she, she knows me so well. And uh, actually, I'm really looking forward to her coming back into service. Some of you guys know she's been filling in for the children's ministry position for like a year now. And so she's there. She's been working with kids. Um, just kind of a side note here. We're, we're very close to, uh, to, finding the, to hiring the person that's going to be our family ministries director. So we've been, doing, we've been praying and seeking and conducting interviews for, for almost a year now. Um, and we're getting very, very close. Pastor Mark's going to share a little bit more about that um, later. But anyway, going back to my wife, uh, when I told her, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start surfing, like, I'm going to take surfing lessons, her reaction was, she just looks at me and she's like, this is like, I can't talk you out of this, can you? Like, you're just going to do it, are you? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Okay, then go do your thing. But my best friend, this is my best friend in Chile, his reaction was he just laughed at me. And literally, he texted me. I want to show you the emoji that he sent me when I told him that I was going to take surfing lessons. <laughs> That's my best friend. My best friend. You know? And so, um, so anyway, as I was trying to make the decision on whether or not I was going to do this, I had to ask myself the question, is this truly impossible? Or am I or others placing limits on me that aren't actual limits, but that I, they're fake limits that aren't really there. So why am I talking about this? Because, because um, this whole idea of, of believing that something is real um, is true for your body, for your goals, for your achievements, for your future. I've talked about this already. Your mind has to go there first. And in every aspect of your life, you know, you have to be able to picture yourself there. Um, I believe the same is true spiritually. And here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the message right here. You see, Jesus in John 10.10, 10, listen to this, John 10.10, 10, he, gives you, he gives the people that were listening, he, he's giving them a visual for their lives. 
He's saying in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Um, so, so what he's saying is there is a full life, a full life, a full life that is available for us to be able to live in. And Jesus wants his audience to, to see this. He wants his audience to visualize it. He wants his audience to put their faith in this life that is truly life and that that life is actually available to them. And he's, and he, but there's a thief. There's a thief that tries to take this away from you. And in the case of the people listening there, this uh, thief was the Pharisees. The Pharisees were, were planting lies and not allowing for people to believe that this life was actually available to them. And the same is true for us, by the way. I used to think that this scripture was talking about heaven. I thought the scripture was talking about, okay, the full life is, yeah, so at the, the after, like after we're you know, in heaven, then we're going to be able to live the life that is, that is truly life. But he's talking about here. He's talking about a life that is a full life that is available here and now. And I don't know about you, but, but I, want, I want more for my life. I want, I want the best marriage that I can ever have. I want the best future that is possible. I want the, the best health possible, the best relationships as possible. I mean, who doesn't? We all want for our lives, as life goes into the future, for things to get better. And then, and then Paul, in the, the verse that we just read, Paul in Ephesians 3.20 is saying that, that Jesus is actually able to do more than we ask for. And that, and that he can do even more than we can imagine. And he can not just do more, but he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or even imagine. Through Jesus, this is available. But there is a thief. And in the case of the, the, the people listening, we were talking about this. this was, these were the Pharisees. And the, the Pharisees, what is it that they were stealing? They were stealing from them a vision of a full life. What would they kill? This is because kill and destroy, right, and steal. They would, they would steal this reality that, that was that was there, it was palpable, it was imminent, that they could actually be able to, to live. What would they destroy this same vision? And so I want to ask you this morning, who is that in your life? Who or what is that in your life that is stealing from you? What or who is that in your life that is, that is the killer of hope, of peace, and of joy? Who or what is it in your life that is, that is the destroyer that is taking you away from this full life that Jesus ushers in that is available to you? What is it that is not allowing for you to be able to make this life a reality in you? So I don't know if you've noticed this yet about me, but I'm an optimist to a fault. Like, I'm super optimistic. And... Um, Honestly, I'm okay with being guilty of, of too much faith. In fact, I want more faith. I want more faith. I want, I want, I want God to help me believe even more than, than what I believe. You know, um, I have to remind myself that, that when I pray for someone, um, I don't want to hold back. You see, sometimes you'll pray and you'll hold back. You'll hold back, and I don't know why. We, like, I do that sometimes. Um, but when I pray for someone, now I want to encourage you to do this. When you're praying for someone, 
And when you pray, you just pray. Like if someone needs to be healed, pray for healing. Pray for God. God, please, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will please heal this person from cancer. Please, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will restore this relationship. I pray, God, that you will do that now in this moment as we're praying. You pray for, like, like I don't know why sometimes I'll hold back. And you, you know what I realized? Is that sometimes I'll hold back because I want to save face. And I, I've seen this happen before. I, I grew up with hearing really bad prayers. Prayers that would start with faith. And then they would end with unbelief. So they would start by saying, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will heal this person from cancer, that you will take away, you know, all these things that they're going through. Uh, you keep praying, and then you go toward the end of the prayer. It's like, but you know what? I, I know, God, that you're in control, and ultimately you're going to do your will, and we're okay with whatever you do. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I know that God is in control, and he'll do whatever he's going to do, but why, why would I hold back? And the reason we do that sometimes is because we don't want for someone to listen to our prayer and listen that we asked for God to heal that person, and that person wasn't healed, and they're like, oh, Pastor Josh's prayer didn't work. Like, there's something in us that, that, that pulls us back. But I want to encourage you this morning I want to challenge you this morning to raise the temperature of your faith. I want to encourage myself to, to raise the temperature of my faith. Um, and here's why. Because I am convinced that there is a correlation between our faith and God's intervention in the situation that we're praying for. That there is a connection between that. Now, you may say, Pastor, that is heresy because God's going to do what he's going to do. Of course he's going to do what he's going to do. But I'm going to prove to you in the next few minutes that there, with several stories here that there is a direct correlation between our faith and God's intervention in our situation. So let's go through these stories real quick. Um, Mark chapter 5, verse 25 says this. Listen to this story. It's pretty amazing. And a woman... And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He returned, sorry, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see all the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Okay, who healed her? Who healed her? Jesus, right? You're in church, so the answer is usually Jesus. Okay? What did Jesus, what, what did Jesus say that healed her? Okay. Now, I know Jesus healed her, but in the words of Jesus himself, he tells her, your faith has healed you. Okay. 
I wouldn't go as far as to say that, that her faith, apart from Jesus, was what healed her. But I would argue that faith is at least half the battle here. And the same is true for you and for me. Next story, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says this, and they, it says, they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho, and Jesus and his disciples together um, with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that Jesus, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Uh, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Okay, question. Who healed him? Jesus. Okay. Who did, what did Jesus say? Jesus himself say that healed him? His face. His faith, I know, I know, see, here's the thing, I know Jesus healed him, but in the words of Jesus himself, he's saying, your faith, your faith, your faith has healed you. Okay, now, I wouldn't go as far as to say that Jesus healed him apart, you know, so that just his faith healed him apart from Jesus. But I would say, like I said before, that faith in this case is half the battle. The same is true for you. I am convinced that there is a direct correlation between your, level, your and my level of faith and God's intervention. Now, here's the flip side. Matthew chapter uh, 13, starting in uh, just the verse, verse 58. This was Jesus was preaching and teaching in his hometown. And then it says this. He did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so... So why did he not do many miracles? Was Jesus not able to do many miracles? No. Was Jesus not willing to do miracles? Apparently not. Why, did he, why didn't he do many miracles? Because of, it says it very clearly, because, the reason why he didn't do many miracles was because of their lack of faith. Now, again, I wouldn't go so far as to say that Jesus couldn't do miracles apart from their faith. Jesus can do whatever he wants, but it does seem clear that in this case, half the battle was missing. So here's my question to you and to me. Where is your faith? Where is my faith? How do your prayers go when you think about your prayers? Are you winning half the battle of faith? There's another story uh, in the Old Testament that, that brings this, this idea alive, and it's the story of Elisha, Elisha, Elisha the prophet. So he was the disciple of, of Elijah. Elijah was the one who brought fire uh, from heaven and, uh, you know, brought fire to the altar and um, embarrassed all the, uh, the prophets of Baal. So this is Elisha. So it's his, uh, his uh, disciple, um, and so, so Elisha comes to this, this woman, and she's a, she's a widow. Uh, her husband had died. She lost all her money. She was so poor that she had to start selling her children to be able to, 
to, to feed herself. Now, I don't know if, how many of you guys here are, are in debt, um, but I don't know if selling your children is an option here. Like, sometimes, some of you may think, well, maybe, yeah, that's not a bad idea. You know, like I've thought it. Full disclosure, you know. But, um, but in this case, all joking aside, um, in this case, uh, she was suffering and she, she was going to die if she didn't get food. And so 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, verse 2 says, Elisha said to her, to this woman that I'm talking about who had nothing, what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your, um, your woman servant has nothing in her house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go around and get jars from all your neighbors, get empty jars, many of them, then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into these jars and set aside uh, each one that is full. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They took the jars to her and she poured. When the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. And he said to her, there is not one jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell all the oil and pay what you owe, and you and your sons can live on the rest. I love this story so much, and here's why. When Elisha told the woman, get empty, listen to this. When Elisha told the woman, get empty jars, and then he says, many of them. In the moment that he says many of them, she had to make a decision. And the decision, the decision that she had to make was, what does Elisha mean by many? Does he mean 25? Does he mean 50? Does he mean 100? He said many. What does he mean by many? And when did the oil stop? Remember? It stopped when the, when the jars ran out. Um, so what is it that determined the amount of jars that the woman went out to get? I would say her level of faith. It's, it's, it's how much could she visualize God providing for her, which brings me back to Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, Jesus, who is able, so he's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So, he is able. That's not the problem here. His ability to do is not the problem here. The woman could have brought one billion jars as far as I'm concerned. He would have filled them all. You see, her faith, her expectation was half the battle in this case. So let me ask you this. How is your level of expectation? Where is your and my level of, of faith? Are you expecting God to restore your health? Are you, are you expecting God to restore your relationships? Are you expecting God to bring hope back into your life? Are you expecting God to give you financial breakthrough? Are you expecting God? Can, can, you, can you see it? Or are you just kind of hoping? Yeah, maybe I'll come through. I'll just throw a prayer in. I'll ask the pastor if you could just pray for me here. And then I do just kind of a half-hearted prayer. Um, what are you, where are you at right now? You may say, Pastor, we can't control God. And you're right. But what's the alternative? Pray halfway? Have prayers that don't have any faith? Expect God to do nothing? 
try to save face while you're praying for someone? Healing? Like, I'm not going to pray for healing because then what if it doesn't happen? Then they're going to think that I don't have much. Like, don't do that. Just pray. Pray, 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 pray. With all the faith that you have that you can muster up. Um, You may say, what if I believe and I get my hopes up and nothing happens? That's a great question. What if, I, what if I do all the things that pastor's saying, like, oh, I'm going to muster up all this faith and I'm going to believe and I'm going to see it, and then as a result of that, then nothing ends up happening. What then? Which brings me to one of my favorite uh, Bible story phrases. It's uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so they refused to worship idols and they were going to be thrown into the furnace. Some of, some of you guys remember this story. I'm going to read it uh, here real quick. Daniel chapter 3, verse uh, 16 says this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able, Ephesians 3, is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty, uh, from your majesty's uh, hand. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You see, there's a thief that tries to take away this full life that is available to us. But we have to stand firm and recognize that even if he doesn't, that's not where the foundation of our faith is. We've talked about this before. The foundation of our faith is not in the provision of God, but it's in him as the provider of all things. So even if he doesn't, we're not, I'm, not backing, I'm not backing out. I'm praying. I'm believing. So the glory of God can be displayed. You may be thinking here, I could have huge expectations. I could pray big prayers. I could believe for bigger breakthrough. I could pray for relationship restoration, but what if he doesn't? I'm still going to expect, I'm still going to believe. Um, also, I would rather be positive and wrong than negative and right. You know, I don't just, I don't, I can't, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. Uh, I can't control what God does or does not do. I can control my level of expectation and of faith. You see, I don't know how to say this without it sounding strange, but I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that in a few years, this church is going to be a church of a thousand people. Don't ask me, like, here's what I try to hold back in my mind. It's like, what if it doesn't happen? I don't care. I, like, I can't explain it. I can see it. I can smell it. I can feel it. I've had dreams about it. I've had people talk to me. I I know that this is going to happen. I'm going to pray and believe for that. But what if it doesn't? That's fine too. (laughs) You know why? Because the foundation of my faith isn't in how Jesus comes through for me. The foundation of my faith is in himself. He finished the work already. So even if he doesn't, I'm going to put all my faith in healing and restoration, in hope, in joy, in all these things, because this full life is available for us today. But there's a thief that tries to take it away. Maybe you're here this morning, and here's the cool thing. You may, you may feel like your faith right now is like, I just don't feel it. 
that's fine. You know what's cool? Is you can pray for more faith. You can ask God to give you more faith. There's a story in the New Testament. I'm going to close with this. In Mark uh, uh, chapter 9, verses 22 to 24. This is, a, this is the man coming to Jesus with his son. His son was demon-possessed. And he, it was dangerous. The demon would sometimes throw him into the fire, would try to drown him. Uh, and it says this. He, he, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, this is, this, is the, this is this man. He's a desperate man. He's coming to Jesus, and he's praying, and this is his prayer. He's saying, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus is like, if you can. Like he was taken back. Like, what do you mean if you can? And then he says, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you're like, yes, but, but maybe he can, maybe, like, maybe. And Jesus is like, no, what do you mean if I can? Everything is possible for those who believe. You see, faith is half the battle. If you're praying for something, if you're asking God for, if there's something that you need for God to do in your life and you're praying for that, don't pray if you can. I know you can. I've seen it. I believe it. Lord God, help me in my unbelief. Give me more faith. Give me more faith. And he will give it to you. So I want to ask you if, if we could just close our eyes here for a moment and bow our heads. And we're going to pray for more faith this morning. If you're here this morning, I pray that, I ask that every eye is closed and every head bowed. If, you're, if you just need more faith, raise your hand. I'll pray for you. We'll pray together. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. Lord God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. This morning, we, we don't want to say if you can. We know that you can. We know that you can. I pray, God, that you will help us in our unbelief. If we're doubting, if we're wishy-washy, if, if we're having half-hearted prayers and just kind of trying to save face and not just praying with our whole hearts poured out before you, we are sorry, Lord. Give us more faith. Help us in our unbelief. I pray especially for the hands that were raised seeking more faith, Lord God. Give it to them. Give them more faith. Give us more faith. We believe, in the, we believe with all of our hearts, Lord God, that there is a direct correlation between our level of faith and your intervention in our situation. We know we can't control you, but we do know that faith is half the battle, and we want to win that half of the battle. So we pray this, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.